Welcome back to the Capes and Tights podcast right here on capesandtights.com. I'm your host, Justin Soderberg. Today, we have David Boer on the podcast to chat specs, amongst other things, including National Treasure, Interior Design, Stephen King, Speculation Market, and so much more. Before we get started, though, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, our website, capesandtights.com, as well as Spotify, Apple, and all your major podcasting platforms. Be sure to review us and rate us on Apple. Five stars, please. And again, visit capesandtights.com for a lot more information, news, articles, reviews, and so much more. But this is episode 75 with David Boer talking specs over at Boom Studios. Enjoy, everybody. Welcome to the podcast, David. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing, Justin? I'm doing wonderful. New year, right? We're going to crush 2023. I mean, I, I look back and I'm like, how are we already nine days into 2023? <laughs> it's absolutely nuts. Um, but what isn't, speaking of nuts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We just talked about nuts. <laughs> we just were off, off camera. We were just talking about it. But what is really nuts is that background. Just oh. absolutely spectacular. I try. I was, and I, I was noting did. the uh, track lighting before we came on the, the camera and are on the recording. And you said that it's on the internet, tells you how to do these things. And yes. it blew, that blew my mind. It blew my mind. It's a, it's, a, it's a light here. There's a light here that are like $25 for the pair on, you know, on the internet. I'm not going to say what website I got them from. Um, and then another light, but like that stuff right there, that the, having the little bit of light behind you, I guess, pops off things well. And I, I do what I have to, and you know, this is a small, low budget, but uh, yeah, it looks good. I and was, then as soon this as you used to light up screen, as soon as you popped on the screen, it was like the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark for me, and my face just like <laughs> melted off. I mean, at least so. you have a nice background. I have talked to people where they're like, "Oh man, you do not want to see what's oh, behind me." Oh, this is me. fake. This is yes. fake. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's real. It's real. That it's would real. be unbelievable if you actually took a photo like that. And just put it on there. That, <laughs> yeah. that would be funny if I took a photo exactly of this framing, and like it's fake and it is fake, and then I turn it off and it's the it's same. Like the same. <laughs> that would be funny. People would okay. be like <clears throat> Inception over here. Uh, I know this like... is a I know this is a comics podcast, but I'm really digging the interior design talk right now. Yes. I love it. <laughs> and this is also I, I like to give away my secrets. I don't have a problem with my secrets. This is not an actual brick wall, people. This is a backdrop that i bought on the internet too it's a white wall behind there but i needed i didn't hated them too much white so i put a brick backdrop on there so that's not an actual brick wall if you look up you can't see it but up top that's a white wall so if you push it, it, one of the discolored bricks does it open <laughs> i wish it'd be great my wife and i love uh, uh national treasure so it would be like a national oh treasure God. thing like a brick that would remove that these glasses were in so we could see each other in so you could read wow. the you could read the secret message on the back of the, the Declaration of Independence. Never talked about this ever on the podcast. And we were talking about X-ray specs on an actual episode that has a comic book about X-ray specs. That's weird. That's just, that was not planned, people, I swear. That was 100% not planned. But yes, secret magic glasses that let you read the clues to lead you with Nicolas Cage. Yes. And was it, who was the... Justin from The Hangover. Yeah, yeah it's uh, 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 Justin Bartha or Riley Poole is his name on the, on the movie. 
Justin I can't Barkley. believe you just pulled his name right out. Okay, right so out, my wife, right we did an episode, and this is something that, I mean, obviously, uh, is we did an episode, my wife and I, we, one of the first movies we ever, like, really fell in love with together, or we, I loved it, and she loved it, and we kind of, like, said it was our guilty pleasure movie, it was National Treasure. We actually have a National Treasure poster in our hallway um, that's, she got for me for my birthday, which is created of all these small little squares of mosaic of all pictures of us that makes up the National Treasure one what? poster with Nicolas Cage on it, yeah. So you have found your treasures, which is each other. Yeah, and I actually said <laughs> that she was my national treasure in our bows. At our oh wedding. my god! Like... <laughs> this is a deep and wide love for national treasure. I have to tell you, I I love the movie. The the first the, I love yeah. both movies. Yeah. I haven't watched the show yet, but I just love the franchise. If I ever got the chance, I really would. <clears throat> I'm a huge Goonies fan. I love yes. Goonies. And it's that treasure hunting, like what is out there hiding right in plain sight. And I would love to one day do, uh, I, I really want it to be a movie, but it could be a comic book. But to write the story of, um, there was a, there's this uh, rich guy who created this treasure hunt. Have you ever heard of this? I can't remember who he is. Oh, yeah. And he buried treasure in like the, the um, like the, I forget if it was like Colorado or Montana. I think or it was Colorado, like yeah, the area, yeah. And somebody actually found it, but he left clues. And I just thought, what a cool story it would be if uh, somebody, some some treasure hunter went and disappeared. And then they had like an adult child who doesn't care about the treasure, yeah. but has to go find out what happened to their parent in the process, finds the treasure, but then realizes, you know, the real treasure is the the friends we made along the way. No, yes. the, the relationship that they sort of lost and, and, re, and refound. So I would love to one day do a modern treasure hunting national treasure slash Goonies. So let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> well, I, I, the Goonies thing is funny. Is I've always loved Indiana Jones and National Treasure, like I mentioned. <clears throat> My wife actually got me to watch, and there's nothing, no reason why, but I had never seen the Goonies until 2019, 2018. And she's like, oh, I have a friend of mine who owns a, a place in, in downtown that is a, it's got two theaters, but you can bring your own movies. So you just rent the space. Oh. It's got a bigger screen. So he doesn't actually rent the movies out to you. So it's basically you're renting the space and you can play video games or movies or whatever. That's and so cool. we, brought, we brought the DVD. She had the DVD. We brought it and watched it there. And I was like, I don't know why it took me. I'm 36 years old. And it took me like 30 years to watch this movie for some weird reason. And now, yes, I can understand what I was missing. But with the Goonies. Did you, really, did you enjoy it? Oh, yeah. Very it? much. Okay, good. Yeah. I was going to say, Justin, are you choosing violence right now? Or did you yeah. like the movie? Yes. Well, <laughs> it's funny. It's like, yeah. Oh, and I, I absolutely hated it. No. Uh, oh. It was great. I thought it was great. I thought it was a great movie. Again, it's one of those movies that always, I mean, there's, you know how it is. There's thousands of movies to watch. I and mean, for some reason, it always just dropped down on the list. Something else came to, out that was new. I forgot. I gotta, I'm going to grab something right now. On the back of my computer because I forgot I had it. <laughs> it's a it's a uh, bottle it's a bottle soda bottle opener, opener yeah. because it's a kids movie. But, but yeah. I just I, I just had that leg around. I thought that was that's that's awesome. What a coincidence! Now this is a treasure hunting. It went from interior decorating to treasure <laughs> treasure hunting. hunting. What's the next big? But that's the, the thing about podcasts that that I love, <laughs> and it's like the difference between if you were like on this to promote specs. 
uh, uh, you know, and, and Boom was like, you need to have these three things you need to talk about and da, da, da. on a radio show, it would be different. You'd have to like, no, we have a finite amount of time. We need to promote the book and move on with a podcast. You have three like, minutes. Literally, yes. Literally three you can talk about up. whatever you want to talk about with three minutes somewhere in there talking about your comic book and there it would go. do well, but no. Uh, so reining it back in, let's just talk about how David, how you got into comic book, like reading and collecting as a, I'm guessing it was a ch- as a child. You would be guessing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> So I used, I was thinking about this this morning, actually, I used to, when I first started getting into comics, um, I used to say I came to comics late. And I I reflected on that. And I realized that's wrong, because that suggests that there is a right time to come into comics and a wrong time. And even though I did not come to comics, as we know, then comics, the single issue, go Mm -hmm. to your Wednesday, or even graphic novels, until I was an adult. Um, even that's not really correct because I I had a subscription to Mad Magazine. I read Farside when I was a kid and loved it. Uh, so those are those are comics. Those are cartoons. Those are comics. Those all fall under the umbrella. So I did I didn't read the traditional what we think of as comics comics when I was a kid, but I did, was exposed to mm-hmm. you know comic uh, storytelling, um, especially Mad Magazine. I used to get it as a kid. Uh, in the late 80s, early 90s. And they would, when it comes, I don't know if you know this, but mm. when it comes to your, as a subscription, when it came to your house, it would come in a brown wrapper. And sometimes the brown wrapper would have like uh, mad on it and it would have uh, like printed drawings mm. by Sergio Aragonese or, or one of the other great artists. So uh, comic c- coming into comics as an adult in this sort of comic shop, worlds uh my entry was through uh, san diego comic-con so i've been going to san diego comic-con for uh probably since the mid uh oh gosh mid aughts so i think my first comic-con was 2000 i don't know i'm so old now 2007 2008 um maybe even a little bit earlier than that but i came for tv and film I, i i wasn't really that I knew comics that existed, but I wasn't really into them. And then I started getting more interested in them as I was going to the convention. And uh, eventually I picked up this uh, comic book called Lock and Key by Joe Hill. I'm sure you and most of the listeners have (laughs) heard of that one. Uh, And Gabe Rodriguez is the artist on it. Uh, It was, since I hadn't had a lot of experience with comics, it showed me, it's my favorite comic of all time. And it showed me um, how, what what is capable, what 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 comics is capable of, what kind of stories that you can tell. And it was so far beyond anything that I had ever seen before. And so I picked that up, and then I, and then I thought very naively, of course, it's like I could, I think I could do this. I could do this. And of course, it took me fifteen years to yes. figure out how to do it. But uh, yeah, so I picked up Lock and Key, and that inspired me. And then in a very fun full circle, 13, 10 years after I picked up Lock and Key, I think I picked up in like 2010 or something, um, I got the chance to work with Joe to adapt one of his novellas in a book that he published in 2017 called Strange Weather. And one of the novellas was Rain. 
-hmm. and it's about it's a story about these two uh, women who are moving in together to start their lives together in Boulder, Colorado. And the skies are beautiful, and it's just the perfect day. And then the clouds roll in, but instead of raining down water, it rains down crystal needles about the size of your thumb. And during this initial downpour, 8,000 people across Boulder and Denver are caught outside and they die. And it becomes a, this beautiful apocalyptic love story about love and loss and how we move on and how we deal with grief. Um, and so I started with Lock and Key and I got to the stage where I could actually adapt one of Joe's stories to a comic. So that is a very, very long answer to your very short question, how I got into <laughs> comics. <laughs> no, I, I love it. And I and like, you know, we talked a little bit off recording about your love for Stephen King too. And obviously that probably means a lot to Joe Hill uh, and, and that connection to Stephen King that a lot of people don't know, which is uh, Joe Hill is his son. And so it, sure. you know, the, the cool story hearing it that you got into comic books, basically in, into the comic books as we know them we know and them. then right and then writing something with and along the side someone who you got into it is a, is, a, is a dream come true if you think about it uh in that sense but you've also gone on obviously to write other uh pretty noticeable works like canto and obviously what we're talking about here with specs uh which is pretty cool but like it's funny how you went into comic-con or san diego comic-con as everybody knows it to talk about or to do the tv and film thing which is the kind of thing that people hate hearing which is it's pretty much what it is nowadays. Like there is well, a comic aspect to it. And I love the comic aspect to it, but let's be honest. Like we know as fans of the genre waiting for those big announcements from Marvel, DC, independent things for the film and TV side of things that comic book news does come out of it, but it's usually the, the secondary thing to a lot of people's uh, news worthy things. And that's absolutely right. And you know, I have, I've come, I've said, I've, had such a journey with San Diego Comic-Con that now I don't really eat, I, I you know, I, I see and I, I absorb the news that's coming out, but I don't really pay attention to it. So it's kind of been like these three stages of, of, of Comic-Con for me. It's the first stage was going for TV and film and mm -hmm. waiting in that Hall H line and really just just uh, absorbing the, the non-comics pop culture aspect of it. And then there was the middle part of my journey this is like a full adventure <laughs> the middle part of my journey was going for comics still kind of into the tv and film but going looking at comics and and, and reading them and seeing and getting and getting familiar with the landscape and catching up on things like watchmen and dark knight and um and uh infinity crisis and or crisis on infinite, infinite Earth. Earth. is that what yeah it, it, yeah, yeah. Well, and then the Infinity Crisis is the Marvel. Yes. <laughs> the word Infinity and Crisis and all that stuff, they just like to interchange those things over <laughs> like, Marvel and DC. It's just going to be an infinity of me trying yeah. to describe yeah. each one of them accurately. Um, yeah, and so so going back and reading all of those, uh, like even like Mouse yep. and Mouse Guard and just all of these things that I had not experience but that was my middle part of my journey and the end part of my journey is very different from the first two which is i'm not going i, I don't go to the con for uh tv or film at all anymore i'm barely i'm barely exposed to that unless i'm involved with it and then um even the comic side of things it's hard to keep up with because i'm there and i have an itinerary and it's now it's now a job it's now yep. work to go there and hit everything and by the time i'm done with doing signings and, and panels and everything else uh, you know meetings all those obligations it's all I want to do is go out in the gas lamp and have a beer. Yeah. And that's, 
<laughs> so it was a very interesting evolution for me. And I have a very close friend of mine who I've gone to every single Comic-Con with. It's like we're, we're, we're each other's uh, wing people, if you yeah. will. And she always goes for the TV and film and she stays in the Hall H line and she just really hits it hard on hard. the TV and film side because she also is a podcaster. And so she wants to have all this information to be able to disseminate it. Um, and uh, seeing my evolution of my experience with her steadiness of always having this, you know, she always is, she knows what she's gonna do and she's, she's got it down. is really a fun, it's been such a fun uh, journey. Such a fun adventure, treasure hunt, <laughs> treasure hunt. full circle. Well, it's like and nowadays you know, you're hoping and not hoping, but if it happens, things like Canto being adapted, you're ready to go for comic books now and television, but working on both sides of that uh, or television or movies, I should say, uh, and hoping that some of these books uh, maybe eventually do end up like Lock and Key on the screen and going there and doing signings, not only for your comic books, but also maybe having a panel about talking about an adaptation uh, uh, getting into that hall age my friend that's like you talk about working with joe hills a, yeah uh, you know a career check mark getting in on a panel in hall age would be just don't worry it's only time it's a matter of time there <laughs> i you know I, I that's like a mantra of mine justin it's it's a matter of time because you have to have that mindset yeah because the things that i've been able to do we just announced that i'm doing um Dungeons and Dragons, Saturday morning yeah. cartoons at IDW. And it's like, I loved, loved, loved that cartoon when I was a kid. Loved it. And the idea that I get to now be part of that world, like you just have to manifest it mm -hmm. and work toward it and hopefully get a little lucky and, and you can be there. But that's why, I, you know, Hall H is such a, a lofty goal, but... I'm manifesting it, it. Yeah, and that's exactly what my, 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 I'm good buddies with uh, Ben Bishop, who is on the uh, Last oh, yeah. Ronin. And he, same thing, being a huge Turtles fan as a growing up as a kid and, and doing that and then drawing his own work and doing that, working alongside Kevin Eastman now, uh, to now having panels that he discusses things over at, at, at uh, um, San Diego Comic-Con. I mean, they're not at Hall H. Yeah, you're, are you a Turtle Pit fan? Yeah. Can I grab something off my Yeah, shelf? go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I got so many. I, I do this at every podcast that I probably shouldn't, but my show, it's like all my cool stuff. It's all the way over there. <laughs> but wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me get yeah. it. <laughs> all right. So backstory. Okay. I, I went down recently to uh, a signing for Ninja Funk, mm -hmm. which is a whatnot book. And um, Kevin, Kevin was there because he did some some covers for them. And I found this at a flea market a while back and I brought it to him and we had a wonderful time for him. It's a it's like an old bank from yeah. Mexico, Mexican bootleg bank. Yeah. And he was such a good sport that he oh, signed sign it, it and yeah. remarked it. That's awesome. It's, that's so I mean, it looks uh, heavy. It's like plaster. Okay. It's it's so kind of it's, it's kind of tall. It's like two feet yeah. tall. Um, but I I he's such a he's such a good guy that we yes. had such a such a fun time just um chatting about this. He had a story about it, of course, because he has stories about everything. everything. Um and then Ben, Ben and I are yeah. we we he he's done a couple of covers for us. Yeah. Um for Canto and just uh, wonderful. And it's like you say, 
seeing that baby Ben picture, that photo of him next to <laughs> yeah. he's next to a turtle, I think. Yeah, yeah. And then having him do what he does now on Last Ronin is just I, I'm so I'm so happy for him because it's like all of his dreams are coming true. Oh, absolutely. And there's things that like, you know, he just same thing. It's like he just gets to do these things that he never thought he would ever be able to do. And his fan club is in the hundreds now of like monthly people paying for him subscriptions yes it's insane fish boxes Uh, it's crazy i got a couple of them here somewhere um you know but but, you know we talk about this but also not um not to overlook the fact that he has worked oh so incredibly hard you know you have your you have the dream and then you have to have the you have to have the work ethic and to to get to that that point and then you also have to just continually silence that voice of self-doubt that stops you from getting to, to making your dreams come true. And you just got to buckle down and you just got to do it. And it's all, and, and it's still a work in progress. And I always, though, every time I bring him up on the podcast, I always say he still has aggregate two, which is his, his uh, creator own mm-hmm. title that he, needs to, that he needs to actually finish. So I always call him out as a as a joke because obviously we know he's a busy man uh and he uh just is uh, just having a baby this year so he just bought yeah. a house so like he's got a lot going on in his life um but we all as aggregate fans too we need to have aggregate demand too. it let's go we demand come it. on <laughs> we demand it ben put your baby aside put your house aside <laughs> put jill aside and give it to us now tell kevin he can wait on drawing blood no just kidding <laughs> like so yeah, just shush him just put a <laughs> shush, pin in his face shush kevin Slo- you know slowly push him away in the face all right <laughs> it's just it, it yeah and so like it's like great to see people you respect and the same thing both ben uh main person where i'm from uh, uh kevin new oh, england sure. based person right there he's uh you know started the turtles in new england as well and so uh those things are huge and we talked about stephen king so we got a lot of good creators i gotta come out, out of there. these places yeah, yeah. All, all of you I Thank wanted to everybody. say this before we recorded. I, I've talked about it before with other people on the podcast, but a couple of months ago, talking about Stephen King, um, we were. I was just scrolling through Facebook and I saw Stephen King's house come up on a, on, a, on Instagram, and a square picture of Stephen King's house with someone standing in front of it. And it's a very common thing on his road. Uh, the road's extra wide, honestly. Sure. So, like, it's not. I don't think it's for that. It's just there's expensive houses on that road, so there's like a, extra space in the road. Cars are usually stopped on the side of the road taking pictures in front of his house. And it's not just a simple house. It's not like when you're going to someone's house and it's like, oh, right. this, it's a nice elaborate house. It has like bats and beautiful and Victorian. Yeah, yes. And then, and then the, the wrought iron fence out front is topped with bats. And so it's a yeah. great photo op. And I'm like, looking, I'm like, who is that? And it was Charles Soule. And I was like, interesting. I, what was he doing in Bangor, Maine? We're in a, it's a, it's a pretty random spot. If anybody doesn't know Maine, it's, it's, we're, we're, there's an international airport here, but it's not the kind of international airport where you like stand and like drive up and like wait in line for your, you know, flight there. Right. It's like you drop someone off at the front door and you're back to work after you dropped your friend off yeah, in right. 10 minutes. It's a small international airport. Um, and so what is he doing up here? And so come to find out he was just visiting, trying to find some first, uh, you know, printings of first editions of Stephen King's books in the area. He wanted to visit the house and he stopped by my LCS, my buddy's shop in Bangor and signed some comic books. Uh, it's called Galactic Comics and Collectibles. Sure. There, uh, this one of only two or three in the area, but his shop is, he stopped by there, signed some books. Uh, one of my, one of my, one of his workers is now a huge curse words and 8 billion genies fan because of this. Uh, but it was just kind of funny. I was like, I wonder how much often that happens that just like random people stop by. Like have we had like Justin Bieber, like stop by and take a picture oh in front of Stephen King's house. We just don't know. 
because Could I don't follow imagine? him on social media. Like it's Could probably happens imagine? way more than, than we thought. And so that's why we got to get you up here. And so you could take a picture in front of it randomly. <laughs> Justin Bieber, me and Justin Bieber together. <laughs> Next to each other. Stephen King's house. Um, but we that, had, um, that would be like bizarre worlds. We had, like, um, we, it's a, it's a dartboard of what are the three most different things could that we that. can bring together? <laughs> we had, um, the, uh, a number of the losers from the it's uh, 1990 thing at our local comic con came up and they all took a picture in front of it which was really cool oh, too because a lot I of them hadn't just... been hadn't been here and so it was like kind of cool because obviously it wasn't that. filmed here but tim curry the tim curry love... was not able to make it but it was uh brandon crane and ben heller who actually will be guests on the podcast come up here in february to talk about their trip what and then um oh i forget there's like there was like three or four other ones and actually, I don't know if you can see it here, but this right here is a We All Float beer can label. So my day job is uh, I'm a cr creative director for a brewery, brewery. And so we did this beer called We All Float with a, a local brewery called Marsh Island Brewing Company. Um, but yeah, that's all signed by them too. Uh, oh the, my gosh. The, the you five. better, as soon as this podcast is over, you better mail me some of that beer. You can <laughs> empty we, out the cans. No, we. I have extra labels. I have posters too we made for it too. But um, we... We um the only one that couldn't come was Seth Green. He's too big, honestly, and obviously we sadly uh one of them passed, um and so there was only five out of the five out of the seven losers. Seth Green but wasn't able to make it. He did not come, but everybody who, else did. Who was he in the original? Seth who Green was, he, was he was um I forget his name now. I'm gonna look it up now. Um, it, yeah, he was in the original one. He was one of his first movies. Uh, really? Was it? it was like not one of his first movies. Yeah, 1990 was. Uh, let's see. He he started acting in 1984. Oh yeah, he was Richie. He's yeah. Richie Tozier. Yeah, young Richie Tozier. I didn't. I did not. I just now. You just educated me right in the second. Well, I mean, he's the only one out of all of them that really, really, really went on to. Like, no offense to all of them. I, I For the kids. They really kids. went on to do something big. I mean, Seth is like a name that people know and forget. Like you just did that he was even on the special whereas all the other people like that's what they're known for they go to cons now and like i'm part right. of the losers club and, um, and but, bill um yeah. uh, unfortunately is no longer with us, no with us uh, anymore. but but they were able to get all that and they actually got um uh now i'm gonna forget his name uh, bert uh, bart mixon who did the special effects oh, on cool. the movie and then uh, a friend of the podcast john capapiano uh did a documentary called pennywise uh oh, cool. it was about the making of the movie and he was here with a couple of uh Tim Curry's suits from the original thing too. Which what? Was really cool. yeah, it was a whole thing. It was really cool. It was a whole like dairy main kind of thing. I um, see that's Tim Curry as Pennywise just terrified. And that was I was when it came out in 1990, right? It yeah. was um, I was uh, 11, 11 years old, and I watched it. I was probably way too young to watch it, but Tim Curry's Pennywise just horrified me. And I love, love, love the 2017, the, mm -hmm. the new one. Um, loved it. But I always have a soft spot for that two-part mm -hmm. miniseries that I watched with commercials on cable when I was so a kid. So check that uh, documentary out. It's amazing. It's on Screenbox, but I believe you can watch it on, on Amazon streaming as well. Uh, or you okay. get a free trial on it. But uh, it's by John Campapiano. He did this, like, he talked to Tim and a bunch of the losers and a bunch of the people from the first movie. Uh, and just talked about how crazy it was to be made for TV. If you think about like that as a, like, oh, a Stephen yeah. King adaptation, making it for like national television, 
it's weird back in 1990, whereas nowadays with Netflix and HBO and all those things, it wouldn't be as surprising because you can do whatever you want. But for like network television to have a well, horror TV series like this on was crazy. It was, I mean, back then it, it, there were so many of them. The Stand mm -hmm. was a two-part yep. uh, miniseries. The Langoliers was a two-part miniseries. So they, so the Stephen King, especially, they loved doing those early miniseries where they would air them on TV. And I guess you're, you, you're right that streaming is kind of like the broadcast miniseries yeah. now. Yeah. And you can do what you want. Like you, you can be grab. I mean, one of the clips was originally supposed to be someone carrying Georgie to the front door with his mom. Like oh, this, and like and it's like a limp body. Like a limp body, and like gone. yeah, they're like you can't do that on national television. <laughs> Sorry, that is too, 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 uh, you know, emotional and too graphic to put on national television. So you're gonna have to cut that scene. Cowards, out, but, yeah. Cowards. But, but if you think about watching those movies and things like that, it's actually was pushing the boundaries pretty far on some of those things to be on sure. TV, which is pretty cool. But you know. Stephen King is a as a legend around here for sure, and so we always try to have these kind of connections. That's why the it thing happened and, and, and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool to have that. I would love for mm -hmm. Joe to come up too because Joe is a uh, he's gotten more into the industry that we like, like the comic books and, and those kind of things too with Lock and Key. And uh, I absolutely love Basketball Heads. It was amazing. Oh yeah, that was a great series as well. I have it right behind me, right there, my <laughs> Joe Hill. But Fiction. uh, you know, we're like, you know, we got treasure hunting down, we got uh what was your interior design? We got Stephen King checked off the list now. So <laughs> we're just Done. rolling along here. That's it. That's it. We, we probably on. should talk about we should probably should talk about specs, right? Yes. At some point. I was just gonna bring that up. So specs. First of all, <laughs> I didn't read originally, didn't read Canto. So I'll, I'll be admit I'll admit that to you right now. Uh, I did pick up rain Get out of here just right now <laughs> a rain. But... I did pick up because again, the whole, uh, and thing it wasn't even, uh, you know, I, because I didn't read Canto and a couple other things. I didn't really know much about the other creative part of that team, uh, but I've been cut up because of Joe Hill. So, but you'll give me credit for that. That's fine. Right. I can, I can mm, have credit. <laughs> uh, but specs, <laughs> one of those things, I think some of it's your, uh, your, your artists that are connected to this, this, project because of i mean you know this as a, even as a as a writer the artists make you look at the book at the front like when you will see it on the shelf at your lcs right. or in solicitations <clears throat> or things like that and right. that the 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 name specs the the logo that was worked out for that and then the glasses on that first cover you have there which is mine's over there oh um, this yes this is skylar patridge this is skylar patridge and i as soon as this cover came in i thought you know what this comic I, if I was, had no association and knew nothing about it, I would, I would buy this copy. I would buy this issue. It just, just draw, it drew me right in. And, and then obviously mm -hmm. the, and then you read the solicitation for it. I'm like, Oh, you've sold me on this. I, right. I want to say, I love the fact that these kids can think that a book from years and years and years ago that they'd even contemplate the idea of be able to send out for the thing. Like all I can think of is like a comic book. Now. Didn't like, you as a kid were like, but, wouldn't that be cool if we could call this number? We could, but like, I'm thinking to myself, I don't know if it's just my adult mind saying, saying like, but this book's 30 years old. There's no way this is, this offer is. is still available. <laughs> it is because as a kid, I remember doing, I remember looking at old stuff and being like, I wonder if you could call, I wonder if you could get this still. And even today, 
like, oh, here's a comic book from 1990 and Marvel is offering some something to get a mail away. I was like, well, I wonder if you could do that. So I think Marvel should actually do that. Somebody suggested it. Yeah. Um, go back to old, like 1980, yeah. you know, Copper Age books. Find a find a P.O. box that they used. And and they do like something special. If anybody nowadays were to send something over, you'd se- they'd send something back. That would totally would go viral. I think. Yes. People I would think- go crazy. I want to say, uh, is it right Comic book, comic series, comics? I was, you know, the book Revival um, by Tim Seeley over at Image. It's a book, uh, whatever. The That's not the part of the story that it really matters, is that inside, one of the things was like, find out more by going to like revivalcomic.com or something like that. And I was sure. like, oh, the book came out in 2013. And so I went to the website and it went nowhere. <laughs> It didn't, the one, someone didn't renew it at some point. And I was like, oh, interesting. So I bought it and redirected it to the podcast. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, it was 10 bucks. I was like, oh my gosh, this is funny. And that's what made me think of it when I was reading specs was the fact that some of these ads, like the phone numbers are probably not even active anymore for these ads that potentially were. were oh, no, back not then. at all. And, and the web, even web address up. nowadays. Yes. We we made them up, but yes, yes. If you picked up a uh, Silver Age or, or Bronze Age comic and you tried to try to go down that rabbit hole, I it's all defunct now because yes. you know it's all websites. But mm-hmm. yeah, so it was it was I was channeling a lot of my own childhood with specs and my love of everything eighties, and then my love of Stephen King. It's kind of a mix between. Um, like Stand By Me and Creepshow and mm-hmm. uh, Amazing Stories. It's not quite as gory as Creepshow is. Uh, so if you wanted contemporary reference, I really I really uh, uh, categorize or I really picture it as an episode of Cabinet of Curiosities, if you've ever seen that show. Yep, yep. Do you know how when, when uh, uh, Guillermo del Toro goes to the cabinet and he opens, he talks about the episode and he opens the cabinet. I totally could see him taking out a pair of the magic of the specs and putting it on the table next to the carved um, totem of of the director. And that's the episode. Is is what happens to these kids with these I, magic I, specs? Hundred percent. I would also uh, Joseph Smalky, another main artist creator, has a book uh, that has a similarity to that. Uh, now I'm gonna. Now I said it. I'm gonna. Um... Uh, is it spy we don't kill spiders no it's um how dare you the the electric podcast how dare you leave the podcast to go pick something off of your shelf well so it's it's right here and it's in the spot it's hard to get i'm just kidding i'm just yeah exactly it's called the electric black and it's a, a similar thing to that cabinet of curiosities thing where you walk into this like vintage pawn shop and people always ask questions about these like antique items and he picks up the item and then they go into the story about how what the item has to oh, do with cool. whatever. Uh, so it's, it's like uh, an anthology type series. Yes. Uh, and he wrote it, or, you know, wrote it, but he's in, you can't buy it except for like on Amazon or something like that now because it was at Scout and he's no longer with Scout anymore and his whole sure. thing. But like, um, it's a, that's a similar idea, but I could, I could totally see this too as being a four issue series. You could crush it down into a single issue story or episode but i do like the idea that it's four issues because it gives you a little bit more meat to the bones yeah and a lot of these four issue series that i work on like killer queens and then Mm -hmm. and then specs they i really conceptualize them as um there's two ways i i adapt my own work to tv and film 
-hmm. And there's two ways, two, two approaches to adapting. You can either take four issues and really blow that out to a full-blown series or a full-blown movie, or you can take it and you can condense it down and treat it as an, as the episode, mm-hmm. as the first episode. So um, if specs were to go to TV as its own standalone thing, I would more visualize this as an episode in the, the show is really about the, the magic specs and You'll see by the end of the four issues, we, we get a little bit more of an idea of what they are, what their true nature is, especially after this this third issue and then the fourth issue where we end. So you get a better idea of what the what the nature of these classes are, and it's such that they, I don't want to give anything away, but yeah. it's just not. <clears throat> uh, I, I'll say a little. It's a little tiny spoilery spoiler, but not not bad. Yeah. Um, but this is not the first, these are not the first people who have been cursed by these magic specs, nor will they be the last. So the, it's it's a magical cursed object that just, um, you know, wreaks havoc and continues to wreak havoc and just moves on to the next unwitting victim. Uh, so and I, I it, have been able to read issue three, uh, Boom sent oh, that good. out on Friday. So I, I have been able to read that one. So I see where you're coming from on that. And, and I mean, when they just show up at your back door without actually ordering them or front door without actually ordering, you think that there's something bigger to it than there, there is anyway, but. Right. Yeah, and there's a lot of different ways, there's a lot of different paths to take as far as what, it, you know, did somebody curse them? Is, is there some bigger, bat, badder thing behind them? Um, and I didn't really ever want to, um, I always wanted to keep it as grounded as possible when you're dealing with the story about magic wish granting glasses. Mm-hmm. So obviously you can't keep it that grounded. So it's it's yeah. more of a magical realism where it's all, and that's what I love about Stephen King's best work to me um, and Joe Hill's best work to me are, are these things that are grounded in reality and character. And Stephen King has this way of taking just ordinary people and putting them into these extraordinarily horrific situations and having them find their way out. And so that's what I wanted to channel with Specs was this idea that these are two kids who are struggling with their own issues and they're trying to get through high school. And it's 1987 and it's, it's a rough time for anybody. And these two in particular, in this particular town, and then you throw in this, you know, this cherry bomb of, of magical glasses and suddenly it just shines a spotlight. It just emphasizes all the problems that these two kids have been facing. So that's that's my approach. And on if and when we get a sequel to it, I already have an idea for it. And it's gonna be a similar type of thing, but um dealing with different uh different different issues. Well, it's I love one of the big things I love about comic books nowadays is that when you looked at my top 10 for the year, which was normal life, quote unquote, like it could happen for real with one small thing that just sends it into the uh you know fiction of it like it's like if you read most of this book and you take the specs out of the whole thing it's just a slice of life from 1987 with these boys who are dealing with issues of being in high school they're you know uh, trying to find out their own identity uh, bullies uh racism all that in one little thing and then you add in the specs and it just throws it into this okay this is definitely fiction and that's what i love about some of these things in is it that Stephen King gets. well is it based well, on real life do you have the specs do you have them at your is house? It though? Is it though? <laughs> Those look a little bit cheaper than the ones you see in the, yeah. see in the book. <laughs> okay, well, I see your. Where, where the heck are they? 
Um, oh man, I have a, I have a pair of magic specs. I don't have them handy with handy out, out here, but I did make a. Do you want me to grab them? They're on the other side it's, of the room. If you want to, you yeah, want to go, ahead. To go grab them. I'm, I'm a nerd. <laughs> That's like you I'm want to. I'm such a nerd. So yeah, I went all out on these promotional. I made my own magic specs. Oh, Where did you, did you just cut, did you make a bunch of them up or is that the only one? Well, I had like 30 and I, oh, and, wow. I and I sold them. Okay. Um, but yeah. That's awesome. We, this is Chris Sheehan did the, okay. did yep. the design on it. Um, and yeah, so I wanted it to look like a pair of, or like you'd find it like a gag shop. Yeah. And there there. I'm going to do the rest of the podcast in my magic glasses. <laughs> like, what, I feel like, what is going on? Justin's like, let me now. have them. Let me have them. And so I can, oh, yeah, I know. this is over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's like, I, the other thing I love about it. And the one thing I thought about the whole thing was, and a big thing, excuse me, that I wrote in my, my issue one review, which was, it's funny how much we would always think about the wishes we would make, but it's like the big things that I never thought about. Honestly, you made me think about this was the wishes that you don't make are actually what could be more important, more realistic or more, uh, you know, have more effect on your life. Uh, the decisions right. you make not to make that wish. And obviously uh, your characters in the comic book deal with that in the first issue of what, you know, what they really want to wish for, what they yeah. should wish for is a different thing. And that's, I mean, I, we just talked about Charles Soule and he has a book obviously that has some currently doing things about wishes. Few and other wishes, want, few more want, wishes. <laughs> but if you want to read specs and then read what would happen if you made all the wishes <laughs> that you shouldn't make, then go over and read 8 Billion Genies mm -hmm. after. <laughs> Yeah, and I and I think you know making wishes is all, always about it's always about um, everybody thinks oh what would I wish for yeah what would I wish for, and the reality is it's every every story about wishes is the consequences of making wishes, and so I wanted specs to be about one wish, and the the struggle about whether or not I should make it. I know that's what I want, but is it really what I want? Mm. and that's where I, we'll find out in issue four yeah exactly <laughs> is it done is it are you done with issue four is it ready to go mm -hmm. or are you still right okay good yeah i mean i know it's yeah know, what, a month away from the actual second the release of the third, fourth issue so yeah so i i i usually my writing process is usually a, a rolling basis so i i have the i don't i don't know how to say this without sounding like a jerk yeah. but um i have uh the exciting uh responsibility of managing my time so yeah. i have i have i'll do an issue i'll finish an issue of a script yeah. and i'll have to move on to something different and then i've got the next deadline for that and so it's kind of a rolling basis i would love to have i, I sort of look back on the time when i could just sit down and write like four or five or six issues just back to back to back to back to back and i might go back to that i might mm -hmm. um because it, it feels like a lot right now uh you know big uh heavy workload and yeah. to be able to focus on single projects is 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 nice yeah uh is there uh and i like to ask these people question nowadays with the number of publishers number of books out there is there a reason why it landed at boom is this like a you like the relationship you have with boom well, i wrote all new firefly for boom yeah. so that was a nice long run that i got to do with them and it was a really good experience and the um, specs actually started as a as a one shot that was going to go into an anthology and the anthology um and it didn't end up working out in that 
anthology. And then it was set up at a different publisher for three issues. And um, for various reasons, uh, we ended up having to, we ended up um, moving on from that publisher. And then I approached Boom with my relationship with Firefly. And honestly, I was kind of surprised because I felt like at the time when I pitched it to Boom, they, they were really focused on things like Berserker and yeah. something is killing the children. And we only find them, I think we only find them when they're dead is, is Boom as well. Um, just these big sci-fi, yeah. big horror genre stories. And this is like a magical realism, kind of horror-y, supernatural slice of life thing. And I was really shocked when they when they came back and said, yeah, we want to do it as a four issue. Um, but it was also exciting because what you're reading in, in these four issues is so much deeper Mm-hmm. And and more ex- exploratory of these characters and these this story than I would have ever been able to to um, do as a single issue, even three issues. Mm-hmm. And then the horror part of it, the supernatural horror part of it, really was something that um, that uh, grew organically. So it turned into less of a amazing story story and more of a, a creep show cabinet of curiosities as we developed it into four issues. Yeah. And I mean, it came out so far, I, like I said, I've been able to lucky enough to have the three issues. Boom usually sends out your, your the advanced PDS for review on Friday, or usually it's Friday, sometimes it's Monday. Uh, but I had yeah. emailed the marketing department and was like, hey, uh, I have David Good. on on Monday. Is it possible for me to get it? And she's like, yeah, I'll send it right over to you now. So that was nice Good. to have that because I'm like, I want to be able to... I mean, selfishly, I just wanted to read it, but uh-huh. I was like, I could, I could have just made it up and been like, oh yeah, David's on on Monday. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I want to read it. Uh, and and it, it's nice to have that. And Boom's, their their whole department, their whole team over there, it seems like they just know what they're doing, which is very uh, happy. And right. I, I listened to a podcast on the Off Panel podcast uh, with Liana Kangas talking about Know Your Station. And they were talking about how great the departments work there at boom is, is that you're like they have marketing and they have design and all that stuff uh to help you with your book sure. so even though it's even though it's your project there's still a lot of resources you can work with over at boom is that correct yes that's absolutely right and there was one moment when um i just remember this funny uh, exchange i had with my editor uh elizabeth bray and she's she's amazing um because i'm very used to with canto uh mm-hmm. we 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 created the art we got the colors we got the lettering and we kind of turned it all over and it was very much, we were very much overseeing the process mm-hmm. and a boom, I I had to get out of that, that um, <laughs> mindset a little bit because, you know, I, I wouldn't hear anything and then it co- come back and it's like fully, the book's fully designed. I'm like, who did this and what? <laughs> I, 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 I don't have to worry about yeah. production. What are you talking about? What kind of crazy world is this? So yeah, everybody works together and it really gives the creators the opportunity to do to focus on doing their best work on the book. It, it, really I'll tell you, right, I'm a, as a creative director or as a graphic designer, I am always very, very, very not vocal uh, out loud to a lot of bad uh, logos recently on comic books. There's a couple of books but to me when I specs. go to the LCS. No, but specs is <laughs> no, but when I go to when I go to the LCS on uh, on Wednesdays and I talk to my buddy, I'm like, there's just some that I'm like, who let this go by? Like, who at the company was like, yeah, this. And I'm talking big two books that I'm like, you don't have the money or the the departments to say that someone goes, 
that's not that that logo is not going to sell the book in specs right. is one of those ones and i was talking recently about some other books that are just like the, there's something that like i said that cover art brings it in it's like obviously you once you look at the cover you have to open the book up your interior art colors and your writing has to continue selling the book to you mm -hmm. uh, so you buy issue two and so on um, but the first issue when you look at that you have to have some sort of thing that grabs you in and sometimes depending on where your lcs has them sometimes the logo is what you see sometimes you have right. to see the logo and then pull out the book and go oh the rest of this book looks beautiful as well and i just sure. like i said i'm not going to call it anybody in particular but there's been some ones where i'm like i'm not the greatest designer in the world but i could have done that paint and, and been better than that and there's some like specs i think it's you could have gone too far into the using glasses as, oh yeah you know what i mean like you could have gone cheesy with the glasses being something with it but the specs i don't know i just sold it and then obviously the colors the greens and the reds yeah it's it's so beautiful on the front of that so your art department's great the writing's amazing i'll tell you that much but your art department oh, your art Justin. people are great uh well, I tell you what, I, I know writing's good when you finish the last page of the book and you're like, oh, crap, this is over because <laughs> you I don't know. struggle through it. And, and that's the one thing I will say. I was like, I got okay. with issue three the other night and I was like, oh, man, I have to wait well, a month to get issue four. <laughs> yeah. So so it's really um, there's a lot of narration in this yeah. in this series and the, to balance the how much narration you need and then having it be over explaining. So there's a chunk of issue three, which. I had some narration, you know, there's, there's those pages at the beginning um, where there isn't any dialogue or anything. Yeah. It's just, you know, watching them. And, you know, if it were a movie, you, nobody would think twice about there being no dialogue, right? Um, or no narration. Yeah. I had narration in there and we opted editorially yeah. to just let it sort of flow. And I think it's really cool because when you do get that first line of narration after that, it's kind of like, do you remember what the line is? I, I not off the top of my head, no. Well, how dare you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, it was a line of, um, so it, I think it was, what did I, the narration was, what did I expect to find? Yeah. And it's after all these silent pages and it's cool because it comes in and you've almost, and it almost, to me, when I look at it, suggests that there has been this conversation with the reader throughout these silent pages and then you come right in I'm are you looking at it right now i'm looking at it right now i just trying to figure out where it is there's uh it's after the bus bus yeah it says hello oh and then oh yeah so hello and then it says what did i hope to find don't say anything more than that yeah i'm not going um, to but obviously not what, but, did, um, what did i hope to find yes and and it's it's you just come right into the middle of it and it's like mm. there has been all of that narration leading up to that point and you don't need it so that was one thing that i learned um an interesting little lesson that i learned as a writer is you just got to really if you're doing narration you just got to really figure out when you need it when you don't and if you have a great uh, art think, team you could rely on the fact that they're going to be able to portray it in a way in those panels and i, I explained to my buddy last week the guy who owns the comic book shop paul he did we did our top 10 comic books of the year and we talked about uh, how there's some books that are just so well written and drawn that you experience the book. Whereas sometimes I find myself when there's a lot of speech bubbles and a lot of narration in it, you tend to just read it. And it's like, well, then why didn't this just be a novel in the first place? Like right. the artwork doesn't matter. And so when you have these boxes that don't have anything in it, it almost forces you yeah. to pay attention to the artwork. 
That's so funny that you say that because that's one of the techniques and I'm talking to, fo to folks about how, yeah. you know, uh, who are just starting out with comics. Yeah. And one of the techniques that I tell them is I find myself skipping over art if there's, you know, a lot of dialogue or a lot of narration. And so one of the techniques that you can use as a writer is to eliminate the words, force them to take, force them to force the reader to take the time on the art. And then the flip side is also true. If you want the reader to, um, if you want the reader to focus on something that you're saying, you can you can really minimize the art in a particular panel. Yeah. Not that you always want to do that, but there might be a moment when you don't need the background. You don't need you need you know profile half half yep. a, half a face who who's talking, and then that's a moment. Or it's a double. It's a full page spread, and you just have there was I forget it was an X Men page. Yeah. Where they were the figures were at the bottom, and it's just the the dialogue is just sort of coming down the page. And that's the moment when the reader stops and like absorbs everything there. So it's those, it's it's pulling the levers in different ways when you're making comics. Yes. To think about how the reader is going to pace their way through it. And so. I think that you your relation to you saying it about like a movie and having a, a if this is a movie or a TV show, you wouldn't have any narration. You're just watching these people do these things. I think nowadays too, some people are just so getting into comic books after watching TV and film and relating a comic book to a TV show in a sense that like, how do you read this book? Like you'd watch an episode of television is really mm -hmm. cool. Cause it makes it an easier transition for some people. So reading issue three, for an example, for some people might be really an easy you know, issue to read because they're just so they take it in like a movie or a TV show, uh, which is pretty cool. And, yeah. And that's also yet another uh, technique when you're writing and you're creating comics is you know that you already have this shared language with every single person who picks up this comic book is going to have watched TV and film yep. and movies. So if you can rely on the pre-existing uh, language that you both share and translate that down to panels and pages, I find myself, I, I almost have to fight against it because I find myself almost always opening uh, especially like first issue with close shots, shot of the IV bag dripping yeah. and then the hands holding each other. And then the shot of the news on the TV in the corner of the hospital room. And, you know, just a bunch of those close ups. And yeah. then you turn the page and it's like the full page spread of everybody in the hospital room. And here's the moment. Um, and I may or may not have written that exact thing for a new project, but <laughs> I think it works there. But I do find myself going you know, there's a lot of different ways to tell stories in comics and you don't always have to rely on filming techniques to convey that story. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think that, like I said, I think the coolest thing is you have a book like this. Like I said, I like the benefit of running your own podcast and doing this too, is I, I tend to not bring people on that a can't do the industry. Well, <laughs> like there's, there's definitely people who reached out to us. <laughs> Yeah, so there's definitely people who have reached out, and I'm my my buddy. I used to have a co-host who moved away, and things just didn't work out. But he, I he got, we got a, a an advanced copy. We got an advanced copy of a book. Uh, this one time we've had it multiple times since then. This is one of the first ones, and I was just gung ho about reading it. So I was like, cool. And I scheduled an actual episode, and I was working on it, and so on and so forth. And the episode ended up falling apart because of other scheduling issues. But after we actually read the book, we're like, were we really gonna have this person? Yes, because the book, I, I couldn't get through the book. 
And so the benefit I have to having Ooh. people on is I enjoy the books that I'm getting people on. I'm not just bringing people on because we got to fill a time slot. So I, I read the first issue of Specs, and, and then I reached out and said, we need to get you on the podcast because I really enjoyed it. And so you did a really good job with Specs, and Thank I'm you. excited. And like I said, then I have to go back and now, like, not now, I had to go back and read Canto and things like that so that I could get it. Did you read it? I read some of the it the first not, one yes not not all of it yet but i'm so, i'm making you so i love this i'm making you so uncomfortable no no it's uh, good it's fun yeah. it's fun it, it's it's the same thing i'm going to explain now and when we have daniel kraus on we talked about i remember recording with him for next week or the week after that is uh i read the first like chapter of the living dead he did with george morero um and I said, so to the point where I'm like, I don't have time to read this massive book right now. So I have a sense of what it's like, but I don't have the actual sure. whole book. And, uh, sure. But I have read his comic book, so I'm okay with that. We're, we're gonna well, Justin, I certainly don't have an enormous to be to be read pile right off camera. So yes. I don't, I can't relate to you and I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, it's like one of the best things about talking to uh, <laughs> uh, comic book creators is the fact that if you have a four issue series, I can get that done tonight. I can read it all and get an idea of what's going on. If I, oh, I talk God. to, I've talked to authors before and I've like, oh my God, I have to read this book now. I don't have time for that. <laughs> then I guess you don't want to hear about my 24 issue, 40 page per issue series that's coming out. Can you imagine? <laughs> I don't understand I how, how um, I'd be like Matthew Rosenberg, Matthew Rosenberg and Tyler Boss is uh, what's the furthest place from here. Those are all like 50 page issues. And I'm like, I don't understand. And he's like, I, I had to cut it out. I just cut them down. I'm like, I don't, what are you doing to yourself? Yeah, I don't, I don't. It's really good. 20 pages is rough. You know, 20 pages yes. sometimes can be tough to get everything in there. Correct. Um, so you really have to design the story to be, to fit uh, 20 page issues. Uh, but that being said, if I become wildly successful beyond even, even, your wildest dream, dreams, Justin. Yes. I know you dream big for me. I, I am. Um, I'm just kidding. But yeah, if I become wildly successful and get to be a recluse for a year, um, I guess I could do whatever I wanted at that mm -hmm. point. But for right now, 40-page single issues or 50-page single issues are not in the cards. No. Maybe. Maybe. We'll days. <laughs> but you One have, so days. Specs came out. It's two issues throughout. Third issue, actually, this comes out Wednesday which is the day that the third issue comes out. So you can grab that at your local comic book shop, whoever hasn't purchased it. And again, like we mentioned off, I think off, there's, they might be sold out, um, but you can find your way. You can get them it. digitally. You can get, you can um, download, you can get them digitally on Comixology. Uh, that first issue, if you do find it out there, just go ahead and grab a copy because yes. um, I, 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 I personally am having trouble finding them. Um, for my own personal collection and, and the most of mine are gone. So uh, grab those copies. I have I have a sense that it will be a nice thing to have in your collection. And then uh, there's a bunch Does of cool variants. Vague <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> variants out there too. Grab those variants from people as well. Those are pretty cool. Um, do you have a say in any of that? Who gets to do the variants or or is that a boom thing or um, boom takes care of all the covers. They'll send cool. me they'll send me covers uh, to show me what's going what what they are. I suggested all the B covers are done by David Tulaski, including that absolutely haunting, my favorite cover of the whole series, that that one in 10 incentive cover for issue number three, um, just is so incredible of atmospheric just yeah. dread 
terror. It's just wonderful. Um, so I suggested David Tulaski do all of the B covers because okay. I think he's amazing. And um, those those have been uh, fantastic. But Boom does handle the, the, awesome. the cover approach. Well, that's great. And that's a great talk statement there to say that you you suggested this and they're like, yeah, okay, well, if we find some other people to do some other ones, we'll do that. But we'll obviously do, uh, you know, the one in 10. It is a beautiful cover. It's a very eerie cover. Very it's so spooky, eerie. right? Yes. I don't very know spooky. how he was able to do that. It's like the light source is from the reader. So yeah. it's like a car is coming maybe mm-hmm. or some, I don't know. I don't know what it is. And then the shadow figures in the background, it's just. And just the eyes having the dots in the eyes or, oh, it's just. Oh yeah. And then and then uh, Kenny wearing the glasses, <laughs> just chef's kiss. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but issue four comes out in February. Uh, and then I just doing some research online. looks like summertime for a trade. I think so. Summertime yeah. or, or early fall. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then if, if, and when we ever get to do jump back into the world of the magic specs, I'll uh, let you know. Specs two, electric boogaloo. Yes. Specs two. <laughs> well, you should have called this one spec. And then the next one could have been specs like alien and aliens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Or you can go the no, opposite. Then, yeah, because anyone who totally get tro- trolled by the, the yes. speculator market. <laughs> yes. Literally, well, which... people, I named the comic spec. Yes. That you will buy. <laughs> well, it's, it's, a, it's a pain in the ass to Google, honestly, because if you type oh, in like specs. specs comic, it probably comes up with speculation comic books instead of, uh, you know, but hey. I mean, it's just you just got to get big enough to push out all the noise, don't you? Exactly. Well, it's like, it, there's other thing. ones that are, I mean, there are some, like The Recount right, by Jonathan Hedrick. That's also sucks. This is a website called The Recount, which is like a political website. And then it's like, okay, this is really hard to find this book. So you have to type in like Scout. Recount like, comic. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. you'll find no, it I out there. It. So, but, uh, but Specs is great. Obviously, Canto, uh, it, it, you know, Killer, Queen, Killer Queens is out there. Uh, what else did I write down that you made? Rain. Rain. All new Firefly. All new Firefly. Grab that D and D Dungeons yes, and Dragons is coming out in March, issue number one, and then um, keep keep an eye out for some more cool stuff coming in twenty twenty three. And D and D, where is that at again? You said IDW. IDW. Yeah. Um, awesome. I I love. Uh, they're doing some good stuff over there now too. I, I've talked to a number of people now recently about some of their creator driven comic books those uh, uh, originals yeah the idw originals i honestly think it was kind of funny how it fell into that place i think they've had like seven or eight come out and i think four or six, four to six of them have been are going to be guests on the podcast or have been guests on the podcast okay. just so happens but yeah it's a uh, it's kind of funny how that works and then boom is doing excellent I, there's i there's i every time i see a boom book now i'm like I've got to at least look into this book because i feel like they're they're, they're putting out some great stuff too so somebody tweeted about the releases for Wednesday for I think this is airing on Wednesday so yeah, for today yeah. and then the four then the four boom books that were coming out were um the specs number three know your station yeah. I think is number two or number three um grim grim, grim number seven and something's killing the children like yeah. 20 number 27 or something 28 and yeah. they put all four of them together and it just and I love that boom has so curated their line of comics that they just all feel like it's Blumhouse yes. or it's, you know what I mean? It just feels so curated that this is boom, signature boom, all of these series. And I'll tell you right now, we're here to promote specs, but Know Your Station is, first issue was amazing. 
obviously we don't have to tout right. something's killing the children. I think people already know about that book. Mm, and I honestly, and honestly, uh, Grimm showed up on that top 10 list of the year for, for me personally. Nice. So I like Grimm over there too. Uh, Stephanie Phillips is doing a great job writing that book as well. Um, but yeah, David Boer on Twitter. If you're still over there, I don't know that. Yes. That dumpster fire. If you're nasty. Is over there. If you're nasty. <laughs> and then Do you want to get uh, your face burned off. Yeah. Is it uh, David M Boer on Instagram? Yeah. And you're on and whatnot. You have a whatnot pop-up on, on the day this comes out. It's night, the 7 p.m. No? Yeah, it's 7 p.m. Eastern. It's 4 p.m. Uh, Pacific. And I okay. sure hope that I have some issue number three copies in my hands on that day. Um, if not, I'm going to go live. I still have some issue number ones. Uh, but my handle on whatnot is at David Boer. And uh, I am really focusing on whatnot and uh, Instagram as far as social media. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it's been fun to and whatnot and bring all of my stuff my my books to folks signed and you get little extra goodies in there and all kinds of stuff what that's been crazy it's a, it's an insane world of of comic books and creations and now that they're publishing books it's a whole insane thing as well mm-hmm. but uh, i i know a number of creators who are doing it and it's working out really well for them uh, i think there's a niche yeah, there's a there's a niche on whatnot for creators that is not has nothing to do with really the speculation part of mm. part of things or the collectability part of things. It's just fo- it's just breaking down the barriers between creator and reader or fan, and allowing it's it's like a con experience but curated. So you get everybody who wants who's interested yep. in your work into the room together, and then we just chat and I offer up signed books and everybody seems to really. Uh, enjoy it so i'm gonna keep doing it as long as i have stuff to offer there's nothing wrong with anyways all creators have all these different options nowadays to get their work out into people's hands and i always say that like you know obviously you just mentioned you you don't have many ones left but uh, i've always said to people there's someone's like oh i found this on ebay for like 50 bucks i'm like did you check out the creator's website because the creator's website has it for 20 and you right. just gave someone else 30 bucks when you could have given the money directly to the creator. Um, so right. check that out and check out whatnot to find your books on there as well. You can go yeah. on eBay and all that stuff too, but like if you can get it from the creator, they're a small, you're a small a, business. Here's a, here's a whatnot hack for you. I will almost always put up buy it now lots. So if you want like specs, the signed A, I put up for $5 in my buy it now. And the buy it now goes live long before the show goes live. Mm-hmm. So you can come in and you can snipe these buy now books before I go live. So it's so something to keep in mind. Do you sign uh, all the books you sell and whatnot, or you, is it an option on there? Um, I just offer everything signed. If if, okay. if anybody doesn't want something signed, then I just tell them to message me. Okay. But every every book that I that I've written comes signed with a certificate of authenticity, and then when it shows up on your doorstep, you get a little extra maybe a sticker maybe a trading card who knows there you go. i just got a delivery today i'm sure see if you're interested so these what is that are the gold foil covers from are you kidding me? james tinian nightmare country and then there's two something killing the where'd you get them so he it was a Substack thing so i was one of the, i didn't make get his first Substack subscription but then I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I, I, he's just putting out some cool stuff on there that I can't. So I did two or three first year subscriptions to Substack. Uh, Scotty Young was one of them. And he admitted at the end that he just didn't like the, 
platform. He just didn't like doing it. And so, but at oh. the end of it, he sent out two of these, which is the I8 Fairyland foil. exclusive foil ones through his website. Um, I don't, will never sell it. So Scotty Young is one of my favorite artists, but uh, he, these are selling for eBay for like $300. Oh, and, cool. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, I'll do a couple more. And I did James Tinian. I did this Scott one. I did, Snyder? Uh, no, Three Worlds, Three Moons. So I'm a big Michael Del Mundo fan. And he's one of the, it's Michael Del Mundo, Jonathan Hickman. And um, now you're going to put me on the spot here. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and wait. Is it a, it's Michael or a Jonathan, isn't it? It's Michael. I don't know. Hickman. Hickman, Del Mundo, and... Ah, oh, man, this is bad. I should know this. <laughs> Do you know who it is or no? You don't I don't. Oh, Huddleston. Mike Huddleston. There you go. Del Mundo. But so uh, he switched over to a different platform and stuff like that. So one of the offers was get a refund or get all last year's six issues of the books in gold foil. And so I said, oh, my God. That. Those are gorgeous. This honestly, this one right here, this this if you ever Department to, of Truth. Yeah. That, that no, that's is like, iconic. Iconic. And I honestly think it's so cool because the you know how sometimes you sign books in like gold foil pens or gold pens. This would look yeah. sweet just in a black sharpie on it or a silver sharpie in the but yeah. I got I red paint. Cool. Yeah, there red you go. Paint marker. That's but, awesome. Uh, enough, enough about the readers. Um specs. Find you on social media, David. You know keep up the good work. Keep it going. Yes. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm wrapping this up after, after today's issue, we got one more issue left. Um, if you, if you, uh, anybody listening, if you want more specs, it always helps to reach out to the publisher um, and just say, or go on social media tagging boom, how much you uh, love the series and uh, want to see more of it because I do have an idea percolating. That would be a very cool thing to do for in this, in the specs spectroverse. Spectroverse, everything's a verse now, right? Everything's a verse, but yeah, sure, I, I'm excited. Like I said, it's one of those things I like four issue series because I I feel like I'll always, if you were to come up with a four issue series or five issue series, like I can buy five comic books. That's you know twenty bucks, you can do that. It's easy commitment. Uh, or yeah. if you someone wants to trade weight, you can trade weight. But so when someone says an ongoing, I'm a little less more apprehensive to pick up issue one because if i like it then i'm stuck with it forever but then i get into these four issue series and i'm like why isn't this longer <laughs> I'm like why does this have to end in february but i think you know i think five issues is a sweet spot but yes. you know I, it's a bit in the back of my mind to think about a, an ongoing because i get so many people who complain about um not complain but just uh, want more yeah. but not even like the five issue more they want they want monthly they just want to follow these stories monthly and it's it's a hard thing to to do as a as a writer but you know it's a it could be really fun too so uh, but like i said the four issues it's easy you can commit to it and that's one of those things that i feel like when i'm a completish completionist as well so if i got issues one and two then i had to have buy three and four whether the book was good or not <laughs> so do it. but luckily i am now waiting and luckily, I get the issues a couple of days before they come out. If it was like three or four weeks before they come out, I'd be so sad for waiting. I'd have to wait even longer for issue four. But um, if we, I'm excited for issue four. So look at that. You got your specs on right there. Yep. You just I'm, sign I'm over the spec with gold. Know, on the lens. Gold, yeah, on the lens. <laughs> I did sign the card, though. Right there. there you go. Look at that. 
you need that's awesome all right See, my friends we can wrap it up here so uh we got our uh interior design covered on this podcast today we've got national treasure and treasure hunting stephen king specs Substack subscriptions specking specking specs and nuts with the whole nuts (laughs) just end it right there exactly (laughs) thank you so much i really appreciate it keep up the good work get back to hitting your deadlines i hope we don't make it so you don't hit any deadlines because that would be really sad but thank you justin i'll be handing over um your email address to all of my editors as I send in my this is late emails, but I had a great time. Being <laughs> I'll get an email and- when you return to talk about your next book on the podcast. Like, sorry, I'm not allowed to anymore. My editor said no. I have been, yeah, I've been barred from coming onto your podcast because <laughs> the one hour is too many hours to well, come on. So I always thank creators because yes, when you're having deadlines and things like that, you're taking time out of it. And then I hear people talk on podcasts. Like I just booked for March Liana Kangas and she was talking on the podcast with uh, uh, David Harper from off panel about how she's so busy. And, and so I was like, Oh, now I feel bad that I just took oh, more please. time. <laughs> no, I know. Feel you bad created, you're publishing is the nicest person oh, yeah. on the planet. And she would be happy to give you the time to come on and clean up the um the mess that i have made today so well we'll see if uh you know the following week's podcast of daniel kraus if he if he can clean up some of it so we'll see how that works <laughs> thanks a lot david i really the appreciate it cycle of the next one cleaning up the last one done never gonna be good never <laughs>